Welcome to Nouveau Shamanic Cinema with Rosa Lewis and Joseph Vaught. This is the podcast where we watch films as if they were dreams or imaginal practice and use this to reflect on the themes and resonance that this brings up. In this episode, we have a guest, David Lasseter, and we watched the film Sunshine together. Some of the themes that came up from this were the great matter of life and death, being with the full rawness of experience and the importance of staying in touch with humanity. Hope you enjoy. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Nouveau Shamanic Cinema. I'm Josef Wort. I'm Rosa Lewis. I'm David Lasseter. And we are here gathered around my colorful table. We have just watched the 2007 Danny Boyle-directed film Sunshine, written by Alex Garland, who you might know from another episode called Annihilation. Yeah, and we're going to talk about this film. This is a sort of cosmic space horror thriller disaster existential movie about the sun. Yeah, it fits very nicely. So David's our guest on the podcast today and he chose the movie, but it fits very nicely. We've talked about how it's got similar themes to a lot of the other films we've done, Event Horizon, Anyara, Annihilation... I think even Mandy as well, there's some of the kind of relational themes were coming through from that. It feels like a very on-point movie for what we've talked about here. Yeah, definitely. And we are, of course, as always, going to be discussing this film in a sense of feeling with the resonance of the meaning of the film, as if it was a dream or a psychedelic experience. Yeah, so let's get into it. David, do you want to tell us a bit about your history with this film and why Mm. you chose it and Mm. what, Mm. what resonates with you about it? Yeah, I remember when I was working in Los Angeles as a filmmaker, going to see this film in the theaters. And I sat in the front row, I think it was by mistake, I sat in the front row of a very big screen in Los Angeles at the Arclight and just was absolutely blown away by the, I guess this like the scope and the sort of visual immersiveness of the film. Like for me, having rewatched it just now, it still feels like there's a very strong spirituality in the film that is reflected in the sun and the way the sun is this incomprehensibly powerful thing that they're sort of contending with and there's all these different ways in which the characters become involved in immersed by obsessed with the sun its power its majesty its radiance its enormousness the sense of rapture that this film captures in certain moments the sense of grandeur the sense of enormity the sort of sense of encountering the unknown and the power and the beauty and the awe and the terror of that really stayed with me I think it's for me one of my favorite favorite death scenes in any movie. Like I can rarely think of a scene that I'm more moved by the death of a character, just the sense of the majesty of the passing of life and the way that looks and the way that feels. And and, and this, I get chills talking about it, but you know, when the psychologist is saying, Kaneda, what do you see? Like the sense of like, what is it? What is it to die? Like, what is it to be at, at the frontier of life and death, encountering God, encountering the unknown? Like to me, there's a way where it is a sci-fi film, it is a horror film, but to me, what stays with me the most is the all the reverence, the unknown element that that comes through over and over again 
Yeah, very nicely put. There is a, a book by an existential psychologist called Irvin Yalom, who's mm. kind of a famous guy, right? And he has a book about people dealing with death that is called Looking into the Sun. Mm. Mm. And the sort of staring into the sun is a metaphor for death, but also, of course, as a source of all life, right? I get that sense of awe. I think that's very clear that in a way the film is almost, the story is almost just a framework to create that sense. And I guess the stakes are so high to help exacerbate that sense of existential sort of minuteness or what is it, uh, smallness, mm -hmm. let's say. And in the face of this enormous life-giving and destructive thing, mm -hmm. and in a really, a very real way, part of the nature of the universe. Mm -hmm. Totally. I think the scene at the start when he's so they're in a spaceship and they're traveling to the sun because they have to put a bomb into the sun in order to save humanity on earth and they're getting much closer to the sun and, and one of the characters sits in the kind of sun viewing platform on their spaceship and it's obviously got a filter on to stop the light coming in and he's like slowly turning the filter down and down and down and it goes down to letting like three percent of the sunlight in or something it's just like immensely overwhelming and I just thought that scene was really resonated in something in me where it's like I can feel from my own journey as the filters start going down on reality mm. and you start really kind of like being with the bare experience of it it's just like so intense and so overwhelming and mm. kind of how little we can take in and how strong the filters have to be and mm. there was something in that as like one of the opening scenes that mm. primed mm. a way of like uh this is what this movie is kind of opening up and exploring. I think the setting of them being in space creates this very kind of like confined, it's almost like a closed system where then you can explore topics really deeply or something. Mm. That, I was aware mm. of that mm. when, when I was watching. I was like, they've got a really simple existence in a way. Mm. And so it can kind of like really highlight what's real and what matters because mm. you're not in this sort of like entangled experience that life often is where you've got relationships and, and responsibilities and blah, 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 blah. they're there to do a thing mm. they're on the ship that's their existence mm. and mm. something about that setting is very powerful yeah and, and the thing that they're there to do is to save the continued existence of humanity right so it's almost like a life and death situation for the entire species so it's the ultimate existential moment that they're in and in that moment to then sort of be i guess confronted with the terrible beauty of the star and the star dying and all this it's a, really a heightening of everything about what it means to be human and stripping away it's, it's so existential our sun is literally dying and we we are out here with our very limited little power and our technology and our uncertainty about what's going to happen to try to keep it going. And that's the situation you're in. And it's, it's just heightening the existential pressure on humanity to, in, the, in the most extreme possible scenario. It's funny because as we're talking, I realize, like, I sort of forget the plot of the film mm -hmm. when I think about it. Because I realized that, so, so when, when I was, again, when I go back to when I first watched the film in my 20s, I know that I was consciously seeking something transcendent through art. And it was often it was going to concerts, it was going mm -hmm. to the cinema, it was like looking for something transcendent. There was a sense of longing for a transcendent meaning of some kind. And so I guess I'm, I'm coming back to this, again, to this character of the, of the psychologist. And like this sense that, yeah, they're on this, ostensibly on this mission to save the universe, or say, sorry, to save, human, save, save humanity, rather. And he somehow gets like a little sidetracked in a way. He gets sort of sidetracked by the majesty of the thing. And I, I can see myself a bit in that, losing the plot of life because I'm like wanting to have an encounter with the divine or with the beyond in a way. And yeah, hungry for a taste of the transcendent element. And I find that is like a, a wonderfully 
it's sort of like a non sequitur in this film, but I think it works perfectly. Like in a way, it, it, it's not obvious that that would be a part of like a sci-fi horror film. But then here's this sort of like almost religious element. Because when you guys talk about the ecosystems and and, and the humanity piece, I I, I sort of recognize, but I go like, oh yeah, that is not the loudest. Like it's to me, it's also about then the the pinbacker character mm-hmm. who is sort of the Colonel Kurtz from Heart of Darkness. Yeah, you know, he kind of goes on the mission and kind of goes na- native, so to speak. He kind of goes wild at the frontier of sort of the madness of the jungle. Same thing here. It's like they get to the sun. And this person is basically becomes obsessed with slash corrupted by its power. Themes of creativity, madness, genius, like obsession, light and dark. Again, I'm, I'm noticing as you guys are talking, it's like somehow all those sort of more more kind of, I guess the spiritual theme is is what I'm the most fascinated by. To, to me, the fact that it's a horror film, like I kind of wish that would go away in, in a way. I could sort of do without that personally. That's really interesting. I, I think just two thoughts about this. So the first one is Pinbacker, the captain who comes back from the other ship and who's clearly crazy. And, and things like that. I think that his perspective could probably be explained a bit better somehow. Like I could see that there's much more possible with that perspective of having encountered the sun for so long, etc., and then maybe becoming completely non-anthropocentric and just seeing that we are nothing in, in the face of the sun, but then there's a weird narcissism in his engagement with, with it. So I don't know exactly what my problem with it is, but I feel like that perspective could be opened up even more. And it's a little bit of an extra element in the film and to make more exciting, but it's, it distracts a, a little bit. The thing I wanted to say about the sort of pure re- religiosity of overwhelm, mm-hmm. for me, a meditative practice that really works well is to sit and then to s- just stop resisting reality. Mm-hmm. You know, that's nice to say, but like, <laughs> but, but then you keep opening and opening and you're like, ah, <laughs> shit, fuck. I'll put the filters back on, thanks. <laughs> right, exactly. So that's very relatable. That sort of like mm-hmm. sense of just this sunlight getting stronger and stronger can, can be what it feels like to stop sort of filtering what comes in. Totally, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then I think it's interesting bringing in the pinbacker character. I think often there's a character in these movies that we talk about where it's almost like someone who has got a taste of the thing and lost touch with humanity Mm. and then that sends them mad. And there's a way that I can relate to that character in a Mm. sense. There's a sense of resonance of like, oof, yeah, I sort of know that place a bit Mm. and Mm. the importance of staying in touch with humanity, what matters, realness. And I think a couple of things that really stood out in the movie very strongly were moments where, for example, they, they all watched Mercury pass across the sun together. Mm. And them all just being like absolutely awed by it. And there was a sense of, of something being like, ah, there, there's something so important about like what is real. Because when you're in that environment that's so, yeah, like man-made and engineered, almost like nothing's real when you're on a spaceship. It's kind of, mm. you're so detached from mm-hmm. what's real that, that when you see something that is so real like the sun like a planet like I mean like the garden as well on the ship the garden yeah mm. it's like th- those things really stand out as as a kind of they were almost like just just hit me as it's so clear and I guess there was a lot of moments of like trolley moment type decisions where it was like mm-hmm, do mm-hmm, we kill mm-hmm, this person mm-hmm, do mm-hmm. we go to this other ship do we do this mm-hmm. and it's almost just like again and again and again just being with the realness of human lives the future of humanity the sun the planets just like boom 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 and it's almost like everything think else outside of that feeling very artificial the characters that were that stayed connected to that being the ones that were that were grounded yeah it, it does it feels like the, it's sort of explicitly doing essentially the, the trolley basically yeah. this question of one life versus many lives and how do we make that yeah. choice over and over again it's like it, the film is sort of explicitly engaging with, with that question in a way that i find really quite rich like for me the 
uh, I think his name's Corazon. It's funny, his name's Corazon, which is heart in Spanish. Mm. It's Chris, um, Chris yeah. Evans. Chris Evans? Yeah, mm. character. To me, he's actually one of the most sympathetic in, in the film because he's, he's the one who's continuously saying the most important thing, period, is that we save humanity. Like, no question about it whatsoever. And, you know, it's obviously he's kind of like a bit of a sort of like a, a, a meathead as well, but there's like a way where he's, in my, in my feeling, often doing the thing that I, I can relate to as being the, the good thing to do. And he's like, he's like sacrificing himself to save the ship at the end. And I, I find that, that philosophical debate, I find quite rich. And I think it's like, it's like it, they sort of personify it in a way that is quite, it's quite dynamic and quite fun to, to, to see. Yeah. That sort of debate between the sort of utilitarian idea and I guess the Kantian imperative, sort of that notion of sort of working from the principle of do right. no harm right. kind of, right. and, and mm-hmm. you know, working from that principle. Uh, it seems like that's almost like a non-choice, you know, because it's clear, it's clear like, no, it has to be humanity. It has to be humanity. Sorry, everyone. But, you know, but I think that's, th- that realness is very clear and it's very powerful in a, in a way that yeah, you don't really encounter that much. It's really that sort of extreme situation. I was interested in the Mercury appearance. I was, for some reason, I guess, a bit of serendipity, I was reading a lot about Mercury as a substance and how in sort of alchemical ideas, it's connected to primordial darkness. Mm. Mm. So you have Mercury going across the sun, mm. sort wow. of like a sense of primordial darkness going across the sun. Yeah, it's an element that sort of suffuses, I guess, everything with a sort of, you know, touches everything in, in alchemy. And, yeah, um, nice. When you say that, it feels like the symbolism of similar to both Annihilation and Event Horizon. It was like seeing the darknesses of the different characters kind of like coming out as they got closer to the sun. Mm-hmm. And that sense of like people's personal stories, personal battles, personal things all playing out in this mission. I think I'm, I'm also aware maybe just again from coming from a camera and lighting background and sort of appreciating the craft but it's like I remember really spending a lot of time years ago watching this film like really studying in a way how they had done the visual effect of the sunlight Mm. because there's a way where to me it's like the presence of the sun especially in these kind of like observation room scenes but when they also when they go out on the ship and like every time I leave the ship it's like there's a way where you know film is ultimately an audiovisual medium and I feel like this film as much as almost any I can think of really uses the audiovisual form to really capture a particular kind of, I'd say, the psychedelic experience. Like, it's really hitting you. I mean, I, I remember being, I mean, also hearing your living room was quite loud, but just like the sound, the soundtrack and the boom, 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 kind, of, kind yeah. of music and the strings. And it's like, it feels like a really, yeah, for me, quite masterful yeah, this kind of immersive experience that feels very psychedelic. And, all, and a lot of the imagery is very psychedelic. This kind of, you know, these shots of almost like you're inside their eyes. There's a lot of visual distortions. They play out with kind of heat waves. Of course, the pinbacker character has this kind of odd, maybe not so well-realized, weird visual distortion field around him all the time. It's like trying to capture that sort of... I'm, I'm like getting the image of like plasma at the core of the sun. Kind yeah. of like an un, like unbridled, you know, rawness. Just energy. Yeah, raw on energy that's kind of... In, in so many of the images in the film. Yeah, and that's interesting as well. That prompts a bunch of thoughts. So distortion around the Binbacker character, I, I feel like was meant to express something like he's been so close to that sort of distortive space of the sun that, you know, you can almost think like something has happened to him. Totally. Right? Where, yeah. where a sort of time-space distortion field is around this person. I mean, it's, it's almost like he sort of has like in a way like become the sun or something there's a way where like his body is no longer a normal human body it's that's like right. somehow uh, he's like he's like literally a sun eater 
Yeah, he's like the most basic, you know. Yeah, sense. He's, a, he's a supernatural being totally. of, of some kind, totally. right? Sort of like a sort of like a sci-fi supernatural monster. That sort of power is really interesting to sort of see visualize, even though that's kind of it's it, it is kind of hard to to really to convey it. But I think it was it was clear in some way. And then another thought, sort of overwhelm, right? So this idea of sort of just sort of this raw raw energy power. And I was just thinking, what is it like if you put yourself in in the place of the sun? And, you know, mm. we, because so we've been exploring this sort of idea of expressing your full energy and whether that's too much for people. Mm. What is it like to sort of turn it around, right? And to think about where, when you are sort of the source of that mm. sort of uh, the amount of power and other people are reacting to it like that. I wonder if you have any thoughts about this. Yeah, I guess maybe to give a bit more context, it's like we've been doing, I guess, in different configurations, energy stuff of just like really sitting in the energy that is, yeah, maybe often overwhelming for other people. Yeah, I think a good analogy is if you've gone on your own spiritual journey where you've taken your filters off, and then there's a way where when you come back into normal social context, it's almost like you have to put your filters back on for the sake of other people, not for your own sake. And so we've sort of been experimenting with a bit between ourselves, like what's it feel like to just take the filters off and, mm. and really be in it? Mm. And yeah, it's a good question. What's, what's your thoughts? Yeah, it's, it's interesting because that kind of practice, for me, I would expect when I was sort of expressing that full energy that it feels really overwhelming for other people, but it turns out not to be the case. So I don't know exactly how to relate to it, but I think there's a, I wonder if there's a question about perception here with the film. I don't know what I'm exactly looking for, but something like, like the people are, you know, they're sitting there, they're fascinated by this sun, they're getting overwhelmed by it. They have this sort of religious fascination with it. If you look at it from the other side and being sort of the, the source of that energy, or maybe to put it differently, if you're in a meditative practice and you're sort of opening up the filters of reality and getting overwhelmed by that, but what if, what if that comes out of you, right? I'm sort of, I'm sort of interested in that, in that that sort of dynamic yeah as you say it there's something about context where it's like the sun is in its place in our solar system and it's kind of like beaming out this energy yeah and so from earth it's not overwhelming it's actually vital mm -hmm. it's kind of like vital energy that we all love and appreciate and then I guess this movie is kind of exploring like what happens as you get closer. It feels like some kind of deep exploration of rawness and mm -hmm. closeness. Mm -hmm. And even in, like the name Icarus is great, isn't it? You don't mm -hmm. need to kind of... Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's quite clear. <laughs> yeah. Although it is great at the beginning when it's called Icarus 2 and you're like, hmm. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> What's up with this? <laughs> but yeah, so I, I'm searching a little bit for what I mean exactly. But I think, you, mm -hmm. I, I think you've hit it. There's something about, you know, things being too intense too raw to deal with and whether that's with another person or with reality or coming from yourself mm. right so i don't know mm. what do you think david if you if you feel into sort of like being in that sun position with others well it's funny because what's coming up now and i sort of had forgotten i think i've actually probably watched the first half of the movie which is by far my favorite many more times than the second half but what i sort of had forgotten was that at the end when Kappa's character is in the bomb and setting it off, he actually has this kind of quite benevolent experience. Yes. It's like the sun is sort of unleashing in front of him in the form of this hypernuclear bomb. And he has this kind of moment of encounter with it. It reminds me a bit of the scene from The Abyss where like the thing kind of comes up mm. and it's like they have a moment. And I have a little bit of a hard time trying on the mode of being the sun. But if I think about that moment 
It's like the thing that I've been so terrified of, the thing that seems too intense, too overwhelming, too much. When I encounter it, there's a benevolence in it. There's like a way where it's actually quite peaceful, quite beautiful, quite radiant, quite yeah. luminous. You know, because the, the movie almost begins with this night of nightmares having of falling into the surface of the sun. And here he is sacrificing his life for the sake of humanity, blowing himself up. And here he is, again, having this kind of like almost a bit of a dance. He holds out his hand and the sun kind of comes and like licks his fingertips. And he's like, you know, sort of, wow, you know. So I think to me, like maybe that feels more relatable in terms of doing the scary thing, the thing that like there's all the contraction around being or expressing. And then the doing of it is actually quite, quite okay. It's all the anxiety around it. That's been sort of the, 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 the cagey bit. That's sort of what I'm looking for. Mm -hmm. Yeah, mm -hmm. that, that, that I think the, the anticipation maybe looks more like, okay, keep it at, keep it at 2%, right. you know. Right. But then the full experience of it, mm. it is like that end where it's just like wonderful lights mm. floating around. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, that's interesting. And then it's, it's almost like the, the full spectrum from, yeah, to be far away and to have the filters on is one thing. To be fully in it is another like wonderful thing. But then actually the journey that they go on, the kind of like nightmare process of hmm. having to go through all of the, I, I was uh, saying during it, that it's, it's almost like a, an incredibly stressful dream where you've got like a thousand things you've got to do and you're not sure whether to win and everyone's dying and everything's going wrong and everything's fixing. And it's almost like those steps feel kind of inevitable in a way in the, on the spiritual journey of like, hmm dismantling reconfiguring you know sorting through your attachment stuff going through your all your filters like you, you have to sort of go through this kind of step-by-step -step process and then when you get there it's like whew, hmm. it can be beautiful and benevolent and, and you can surrender to it but that sort of middle period it also just seems to be part of the deal and part you mean, of the you mean process. where you're continuously shooting yourself between airlocks <laughs> in, in deep space wrapped in tin foil that part is that the stressful part that of the spiritual path the yeah that yeah. part is a bitch especially <laughs> the part where you bounce off oh, on the yeah, side yeah, of the yeah. Airlock and you just and freeze you, and to you death. Turn to death and then get incinerated by by the sun rays a moment later. Yeah, yeah. That part's tough. Yeah, that's not that's not the best part. It's funny though because I, I'm sort of you, you said earlier this piece about Pinbecker sort of re representing the kind of the narcissistic element in a way or the or the kind of like the non-human element. And it's funny because how many countless stories are there of people becoming corrupted by power and it's like almost mm -hmm. like when you see on the spiritual path people who in subtle and not so subtle ways become powerful in touch with god i'm doing air quotes and then become corrupted in some way become destructive become disconnected i mean that feels very real i mean those are themes i feel like you talk about you know i mean it's not they're not out of space sci-fi themes are more just like in, in real life you know people who go on the path and are not necessarily better off for it or they're they're wiser in certain regards and perhaps darkness is unleashed in a way that's not so healthy i'm not sure that this is what this film is trying to say per se but i do think it's 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 like an important corollary so, there's something in there about uh, uh, sort of the perspective of things needing to play out their path which is interesting so he says stuff like we are meant to sort of extinguish and things like that right, right. but he's actively stopping the reignition process because he feels like it's futile and it's an offense to god or whatever yeah. But I think it's funny because he's in a way stuck between agency and everything happening by itself. Because if everything would truly happen by itself, then these attempts would fail, you know, right? It, it, then it wouldn't matter. Then, you know, okay, go try to light, relight the sun or whatever. It wouldn't really matter because probably from his perspective, you wouldn't be successful. And secondly, maybe you would be successful, but then things would ex extinguish again later on. So, yeah. Uh, so there's a, a bit of that sort of like split between, you know, we are insignificant in the face of this majesty, but then still trying to sort of manipulate 
manipulate the situation and getting to other people to, to think along and yeah right act that's along. the narcissistic bit isn't it it's like there's a plan but only i have the plan so listen up and there's a way where he seems like there's this sort of dialogue when when, when kappa's character finds him in the sunroom it's sort of like am i that god there's a way where it's like am i that man am i that god he says yeah. my god and he says like there's are you an angel line. and yeah. yeah yeah there's there's a whole there's like a weird yeah it, i will say for me that feels like maybe the least coherent part of the yeah. film it, it feels like there's a bunch of really good ideas that like weren't totally fully developed yes. there and okay it's not in my mind not really also the point but no. it, it is certainly adds a layer of richness i think for me it captures the essence of the thing you were talking about of like people who've lost themselves in a kind of power hungry way mm-hmm. i think it just captures that really nicely sure and also the kind of resonating from an empathic point of view with all the like psychedelic stuff around him and it kind of yeah. i just felt like it really resonated that that strongly the sort of like losing touch with totally shared experience no, and, norms yeah, yeah. I, I mean yeah. the first time you see Madness. the character Kaneda the captain is watching this video of him and he seems happy but then there's this kind of way where the screen sort of zooms in and it's like sort of when he's like it was beautiful mm-hmm. you know there's kind of this like kind of slightly like is there an unhingedness creeping into this image and I, yeah, I, to me there there is a at least initially a sense of yeah when, there's that great line he says like we've abandoned our mission and it's just like wait what <laughs> it's just like that sense of the humanity of losing your way in the jungle you come to the brink and like at the last moment you're transformed in a way that like causes you to abandon the core of your mission it's like both mind-blowing and there's a realness in it it's frodo at the edge of the volcano with the ring and then he's like no the ring is mine and then you know yeah 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. Totally. Yeah. We're sending out Frodo 2 to sort out what Frodo 1 didn't accomplish. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Frodo, Frodo 2. Yeah. Uh, that's really interesting. What for me is really moving is all these people, they're already on that ship because probably they were selected in terms of psychological profiles to be, you know, the idea of going on a mission like that where death is very likely, you know, right? You go on that Icarus 2 and I think you have about like an 80% chance to die, right? That's probably sort of a good estimate. And that that's already a very special group of people who are just ready to give up their lives. Right. And I think that's, that's really heartbreaking to see because I feel like that sort of level of commitment and ability to sacrifice yourself, etc., we could all do with finding that in ourselves, I think, mm. right? Touching that somehow, and yeah, I don't know. I have a lot of feelings about this. Somehow that putting yourself into that sort of situation, I don't think you should go looking for it because I, get, I think that becomes narcissistic as well. But there's something about at least seeing it play out in a film like this, right? Yeah. That that is life as well. Life can also be you have to sacrifice yourself for others, right? And, and that happens a lot all around the world. And I think that's, yeah, there's clearly something there. And then how that connects to the, that sort of distraction of sort of awe, by this greater universe yeah it's fascinating but it's funny because i i also like how different characters at different times struggle to make that choice yeah like the um, the second in command yeah clearly is not excited about being left behind no and then of course he ends up dying anyway yeah. but like when push comes to shove some of those characters are not too excited about which giving up their lives realistic. which is of course very real yeah. Yeah. yeah and the sort of it felt similar to other movies that we've watched where it's like almost like the different archetypal parts of us being held right. by the different characters there's the very kind of like tender female totally. character who 
isn't willing to kill yep. another member of the crew in order to make yep. it yep. to their destination because they need to kill one to have enough oxygen. It's like this is the second in command who, when he gets a taste of power, starts using it against others to try and keep his right. own survival. Yeah, it's like you, you see these kind of like different parts of humanity having their sort of wrestles and struggles with, with what they need to do. And sort of having these different parts, it's almost like an internal family system totally. play, playing out uh, where we had uh, Chris Evans's character, who was clearly the one who was, has an easy, not maybe the easiest time, but who is most single-minded about these decisions. Totally. And then, uh, so Kappa being a much more gentle and sort of like open-hearted person. Right. Uh, but uh, that also being a strength. Yeah, right. he, he's, a, he's a little bit the Frodo, uh, the Frodo of the story. Definitely. You know? Yeah. I feel like there's so much there around that sort of like the desire to be consumed by reality, the desire to sort of open into this filterless light. I'm just feeling into to what's there. I think that's really powerful. You could almost make an imaginal med- meditation practice out of the idea that you're in that sunroom and that the light just gets brighter and brighter. Mm-hmm. And that could be a very powerful meditation. Yeah. yeah, or you're in that bomb and you're going into the sun. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if you really you're going to turn up the Getting heat. totally annihilated, yeah. I'm like realizing that essentially my favorite part of the film is, is the psychologist character and, and his relationship. To me, another shadow that's creeping out is the beauty of the one who's supposed to be sane, sort of being the one who's beginning to lose it a little bit. Like He's like picking his skin. He's like literally roasting himself in the observation room. He's Just another example of a, of a character. It's like the shadows coming out. One of the characters even says like, it seems like I'm a lot saner than you are at this point. You know, there's an acknowledgement of that. And I guess he's uh, he's almost like a prequel or sort of a precursor to the Pinbacker character, 100%. right? It's like it's 100%. like this is something that happens to some people. 100%. Yeah. Some people have maybe a religious impulse, and it's and it yeah. starts to really screw with them. I mean, clearly he has a very strong ethical basis, and he's always bringing in excellent points. He makes very kind of mm-hmm. logical, but there is a certain like, are we gonna lose him? Like you know. And I think that's great because uh, I think that the fact that he never does lose it, right? right. That would be the cliche. And thing. he's very willing to give up his life. He's probably in a way the most willing to give up his life when it, when it counts. And I think that's interesting, right? Because that shows sort of the religiosity and the sort of willingness to be burned mm-hmm. by the sun, the willingness to give up his life, but then you have the shadow with Bimbacker's character mm-hmm. who turns that into sort of an evil, right. narcissistic role. Right. Yeah, what, what you said, uh, David, about that image of the psychologist just being in the sun, mm-hmm. being sort of the most resonant thing for you, mm-hmm. that reminds me of your recent sort of like investigations, uh, uh, Rosa, into a story not being the unit of meaning. So this is a pure image and a pure sort of interaction. And I wonder if you could say something about that, if that somehow relates to sort of purely someone who's just in that space, in that image of uh, sort of opening themselves up to more and more overwhelm. Yeah, and this feels related to what we were just saying about Pinbacker. And it's almost like the story around it is a bit not super well done, but just being hit by the resonance. You just feel like you get the transmission Mm. from the the visuals of him, Mm -hmm. from Mm -hmm. the kind of... You get his vibe. Yeah, it's almost like... Your vibe's a little off. (laughs) somehow (laughs) the whole film is like so vibey in that way and it feels related there's some metaphor where if the sun is a metaphor for that rawness of being directly in touch with experience it's like when you're really directly touching the thing you don't need the story or the sense or the oh this happened and this happened this happened it's like you just feel the force of the truth and the moment in a way that just hits you it's like transmissions isn't it you kind of just get Mm. the transmission of a thing Mm. without needing all the supporting mental clutter or Mm. something Mm. it is a nice metaphor for transmission that sunroom Mm. yeah i'm feeling like there's a lot there so one thing i'm thinking about is how can you be sort of calm with that 
right? How can you just be with that? Like we saw the bomb exploding in that sort of gentle gentleness. Right. But I wonder, for instance, what it's like to sort of sit there at the at the edge of what is sort of like experienceable and just being with it mm. and just being calm with that. Mm the intensity of being right we're often looking for this i think i think all of us maybe are in a way always looking for that sunroom in daily life uh, you you'd rather be in the sunroom than be in some sort of superficial nonsense although it's funny because it's also bringing up a lot of memories of meditation retreats where i was getting a little more sun than i was wanting so yeah. like a sense of yeah when you take off the filters it's both enlightening and excruciating at, at times so they're being i guess i guess also having a healthy respect for the filters like i, I like how the machine the, whatever the ai system says to him well you can do 3.1 percent for 30 seconds but then after that it's enough you know so like that's exactly yeah, yeah that's exactly right so that that's what i'm wondering if you have that hunger for depth right so I, I don't think everyone wants to be in that sunroom yeah yeah yeah. you know yeah, it's yeah, a, it yeah. takes a specific type of person yeah. that psychologist for instance yeah and i think that's maybe part of why it fascinates you no, no, no doubt right no doubt what kind of person would sort of be drawn right yeah you you me right that's the kind of person we're all yeah. we're all the psychologists yeah. so <laughs> so that's interesting interesting as well because there's something that you really get from that there's a danger there etc etc mm -hmm. and there are some people who are just like no fuck that summer I'm, yeah, never, yeah, I'm never ever gonna go in there I don't care I think there's also when you talk about this it's like the reason why you're doing it and the commitment because I think Pinback is a good example of if you go in the sunroom and you're not really committed, it's so easy to get corrupted and, like mm. you said, get stuck in between this kind of space of holding on to certain types of control and agency and then holding on to other types of everything's happening by itself and it's all God and blah, blah, blah. It's like you, you can get lost. Whereas the other characters are like an example of commitment to different values, I suppose, and like how that plays out. and. There's something about a real like importance of that commitment, the intentions and the heart behind it. I mean, being... You said the clear link back to humanity, which is like the characters who are clearly connected with this mission is about everyone or this mission is about my personal power. Mm -hmm. So those sort of have fallen into two camps, essentially. Yeah. And it's like those who keep track of the humanity piece are kind of the heroes of, of the film. And that's interesting. That, that makes me think. So Pinbacker lies in the sunroom mm -hmm. at high intensity where he's sort of semi-burned. And I guess he's done that for many years, right? He's Something like that. There, yeah. He always lives there. But then Kappa, mm -hmm. to escape him. So Pinbacker gets power from his proximity to the sun and his ability to withstand that intensity. He gets insight from it and he, he harnesses it for a sort of narcissistic purposes and toxic purposes but then when kappa escapes him he still asks the ai to open the thing fully and the guy still gets burned right it's still a so, oh, so i he, don't think i clocked that yeah yes on the way out he's like okay no filter and it's sort of the the dude gets you know still roasted. extra roasted right and there's a there's an interesting metaphor there for sort of like narcissistic maybe teachers or figures where they they have yeah you see what i mean they have a they have a, pro, a certain proximity to truth but they harness it for personal power. Right. But if you blast them with more truth than the truth that they already have, then it still damages them. Oh, huh. I love that. Huh. Yeah, that's yeah? good. That's good. Huh. It, they can still be killed by it. And that's interesting. I remember, you know, this is maybe a bit more technical again, but I remember seeing the film thinking like, there's something in the way that the characters represented visually that I found like a little bit unsatisfying. It's interesting. It's like that kind of that like thing where you can never really see him. He's like always in some kind yeah. of, it almost feels like, again, I, the, the sort of image of the plasma thing comes in. Like, he sort of has become plasma. 
Yeah. But it's almost like, I mean, maybe that's actually quite a good metaphor for the kind of narcissistic element where you can't really grab a hold of it. It's sort of like always moving around the moving goalposts, like... And they and they are energy. Right? Yeah, a, yeah, a, a, yeah. Narcissistic people can be very charismatic and, and they have almost a pure energy because to they totally. are pure craving. They are like craving embodied. They are the dynamic energy of craving as a person. Yeah, when you said it's unsatisfying. I was like, that feels in a way like, correct on point of yeah. exactly the the feeling of connecting with a narcissistic person. You it's just like, can't. He's like, you can't get yeah. a hold of it somehow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> there's yeah. no connection points. There's no realness. There's no the yeah. time space distortion field of narcissism. <laughs> yeah, interesting. Any last thoughts? I think there is an again. It feels like a sort of not really fully baked thread in the film but I think it's there you know the way they relate especially Michelle Yeoh's character relates to the garden mm. the oxygen mm. um, you know kind of the, it's, it's almost like they sort of brought the beating heart of the planet along with them in this room yeah. and then at the end right before she's killed she finds the shoot growing in the ash and it's like yeah, this theme of the resilience of life on on one side. You know, this phrase from the Pali Canon came to mind at some point. Something along the lines of the Buddha saying to one of his students, there are many factors uh, which try to destroy life and there are few factors which actively support life. And there was a sense of like this film being a sort of very vivid representation of so many factors working against life. Space, void, evil, like darkness, and so few factors. Well, I mean, not few, but it's like, it's this kind of battle of life against anti-life. And like those two factors going back and forth. Like I also thought the movie Gravity is very much explicitly about the factors that support life against the factors that destroy life and like how to navigate being a alive thing in an environment which fundamentally does not support life. And this film being sort of a metaphor for those two war sides. I agree and I really felt that when I saw the sort of that gar lush garden on the first Icarus, right? I mean when they find it on the second one. Yeah, 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 I know what you mean. Yeah, the first one. Yeah, I get yeah. you. When it's just such a windfall, it's like, oh, yeah. you know, and then I lose it again. But that's also part of why I think the focus on the sun is so brilliant in this film. Whereas, uh, you know, some, right. of the, so, some of these other films that we've watched, like Anyara and Event Horizon, are all about the darkness of space. Ah. But this is, you are collapsing life and death, yeah. right? The sun is the source of all life right. in our solar system. Right. And it is, uh, and it is death to be so close to it. Yeah, it's life and death. It's like the Zen uh, saying of great is the matter of birth and death. Mm -hmm. It's a fucking huge ball mm -hmm. of light, you know. And now I'm gonna look at the sun quite differently. It's like a Zen mm -hmm. poem. It's like, oh shit. <laughs> yeah, yeah, so interesting. Yeah, yeah. yeah, amazing. And that recurring image that several characters say throughout the film, you know, we're just stardust. Mm -hmm. like that, that sort of recurring theme of the sort of non-human origin of the human being and the, the mystery of that yeah and that's interesting i mean it's it's almost like a cliche to say but we are sunlight right we are powered by sunlight we are sun beings right now so that's interesting actually because that means that the energy that you radiate out at someone mm. uh, that is whatever you think that is you know if it's sort of like micro psychological physical whatever right we don't have to get into that yeah. but whatever that energy is that is powered by sunlight so when i'm intense or you're intense or you're intense it's sunlight being intense. I just had an image of having it Yoast glasses. I have 3.1%. You can only have a 3.1% for 30 seconds. I gotta go back down to 2%. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Being with, be with Yoast is like. Okay, thank you so much. This was really wonderful. Yeah, thanks, yeah. guys. Thanks for having me on. Really, really fun to do. Thanks. Thanks for listening. Hope you enjoyed your trip into the sun. And see you again soon at the Nouveau Shamanic Cinema.